And I walked out of that room and I walked out of my career, my international career. It's widely believed that this is the phone that has changed phones forever. Turning to our top story this morning, and that is confirmation of the first case of COVID-19 in the Republic. I need you to get me your vote on November 4th. Let's get Brexit done. I remember it was the most important thing in my life at the time. I don't know how I was split. I think we could have done better with him. I was never really a Roy Kane fan, so I was kind of 50-50 on Ridiculous that he has one opportunity to play in the World Cup and kicks up a fuss and gets and sends himself home over it. Like, it's crazy. If I was playing for a World Cup, I'd do anything to say it there. Keane was trying to build a team that was training properly, had the right things. He knew how the thing go from Manchester United and all. He knew how the thing worked. McCarthy wouldn't have had a clue with jokers. I couldn't believe that was the headlines of the 6-1 news and it was like the biggest controversy that had ever probably happened since coronavirus nearly at this stage, isn't it? And like then he came back and they couldn't wait to get a look at him going and walking his dogs. Remember all that? And they were, it was it was just mad. And then it was like, will he go back? Will he stay? And we're big Man United supporters in our house. We were on Team Roy Keane. And we were like, yeah, for defo. You did the right thing. I suppose, it was, I suppose it's one of those things that you'll always remember. Now, in the first part of News Talk's 20 Most Influential Moments, we want to go back to 2002, to a small island in the Pacific Ocean where one of the country's most controversial sporting debacles unfolded. Jerk Gilroy from Off The Ball is here to remind us what happened. I think most of us had never heard of Saipan before, <laughs> or maybe in a World War II context. That was about it before 2002, Jer. You were just starting out with Off The Ball at that stage. We had literally just launched April 2002. It was the best time to launch a nightly sports show because we'd just qualified for the World Cup. Roy Keane was in his pomp. It looked like it was going to be a, an amazing summer. World football wasn't great at that time. It wasn't. We had a decent team. We had a brilliant, absolutely brilliant team playing really good football. Damien Duff was just cresting to his peak. We had an amazing defence and we had in the middle of it Roy Keane is the captain of the best team in the world at that time which was Manchester United. So there was incredible amounts of hope and when this story broke it was literally all anybody was talking. As we know still to this day it's still I don't know why it's still a topic like I kind of do. It was like the second civil war basically. So let's just remind people of what actually happened. Roy Keane, there was obviously he wasn't happy. Was he not happy full stop or was he not happy with the training facilities? Was he not happy with Mick McCarthy? It was a bit of all those things, wasn't it? It, it? it goes back years. His relationship with McCarthy wasn't good. But bear in mind he's coming off a season at Manchester United where for the first time they've finished trophyless and he's taken this as a personal slight. His hip has begun to deteriorate to the point where it's sore on match week all week. And uh, his his own physical ability is beginning to come off that peak where he was the best player at, at the best team and the highest paid player. And in the midst of this, you've got an inexperienced manager, Mick McCarthy, who hasn't managed to get the team to qualify, who ha- doesn't have the same standards that Roy Keane is used to. And this simmering tension has been simmering for a long period of time. As we know, Roy Keane has a volcanic temperament and is difficult to manage at the best of times. Uh, Mick McCarthy was not capable of dealing with that. And um, before the fight happens... He's already left the squad and the FAI have had to convince him through backdoor channels to stay with the team and Colin Healy was stood down. And then the fight happens 
again. And reminds he did an interview with Tom Humphreys in the Irish Times and he did what Roy Keane always does. He was incredibly honest yeah, and he, blunt. Yeah, he told the truth. I'm retiring at the end of this because it's such a shambles. The training gear is, is rubbish. Why are we even here in the first place? A bunch of these players are playing at crap teams because they're not good enough. So it was kind of a scattergun, carpet bomb approach. Mick McCarthy was asked about it in a press conference before he'd actually seen it. Philip Quinn gave him the, the text and he read it and then he went and had a team meeting. Roy erupted in the team meeting. Mick sent him home. Roy walked out. You know, pays him money. Roy used choice a bit of um, fairly choice language towards it, Mick McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which happens in football, let's you're, face it. You're a crap footballer and you're a crap manager. And yeah, and at that point, it becomes ir- irreconcilable. The team flies on to uh, Korea and Japan. He flies home. He does that interview with Tommy Gorman where apparently if he'd said a certain combination of words, perhaps they would have taken him back. Why didn't he? I mean, it was an unusual interview, I, I remember, and he kind of got annoyed with Tommy Gorman. It, it, there was one line I always remember where, where he, he said, if they take you back, and he said, take me back, yeah. take me back. Yeah, Like, I'm taking them back, yeah. not the other way around. But that wasn't really how it worked. Roy, Roy didn't quite have the power in the situation that he needed to have. He says constantly, like, oh, I'd do the same thing again, you know, no regrets. But that's nonsense, because obviously he had dragged the team to the World Cup, and it's his World Cup. It's him at the peak of his powers. In 2002, in that World Cup, he could have become World Footballer of the Year. He could His reputation, which is already unimpeachable as a footballer, would have been burnished at the highest stage. And as you mentioned already, this was a World Cup that was there for the taking. And in case people think we're getting carried away, South Korea got to the semi-final. A really poor Germany got to the final. Now, I don't think we'd have beaten Brazil in the final. But I think we could have got to the final with Roy Keane and that team. And that, that draw opened up for us very nicely as things went on. I think that's why we were, we've become so obsessed with the what might have been, particularly because as time goes on, we realise we will never be a team again that has the backbone of Liverpool and Manchester United the way we did in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Yeah. The globalisation of football yeah. has ruined our potential to ever be festooned with Premier League players at the top ends. And as a result of that, that was our one moment our last in time. Chance. Yeah, our last chance. I think actually Roy Keane last year, he spoke pretty honestly about the whole thing. He was speaking to your colleague on Off The Ball, uh, Joe Malloy, at one of your, your road shows. Uh, let's just have a listen to what he had to say. Again, I know it takes two to tango and I have to look at my own part, of course. But I just think, well, again, I honestly, but like the United stuff, what was I supposed to say? You know, I missed one game and the medical staff were involved and making this accusation against me in front of even if he again pulled me one-to-one. Sure. And this was on the EV of the World Cup. It wasn't three months earlier or three months later. We're flying out tomorrow and you in front of all the group. What do you think was going to happen when you make accusations against, I suppose, a character like me? The baggage from Saipan, I don't really carry around with me. I think other people should carry it around with them, not me. Uh, interesting. He's not, he's not rolling back. And, and just in case people are listening to this and they, weren't, they don't really remember 2002 and they're saying, oh, this is a football story. This wasn't just a football story. The whole country got involved in this, didn't they? Oh, look, it came up in the doll. It was front page news for the week when it was actually happening. It was literally all anybody spoke about at the time for about four months. Just to finish, where did your sympathies lie then and where do your sympathies lie now? I was 100% on Roy Keane's side at the time. We were militantly on the side of Roy Keane at the time. Now, I really think that Roy Keane could have bitten his lip a little bit and played for himself. For his own personal legacy, I don't believe what he says in the clip. I I think that he does. He has a few. Ah, the anger is still there. A lot of that is that it's self-destructive. And look, all the greats have something in them that separates them and that's his. What a pity. We could have got to a final. I think we could have won it.
Now, in the first part of News Talk's 20 Most Influential Moments, we want to go back to 2002, to a small island in the Pacific Ocean, where one of our country's most controversial sporting debacles unfolded during the South Korea and Japan World Cup. One of those asked to intervene was former Taoiseach Bertie Ahern, and he's on the line now. Bertie, good morning. Good morning to you, Pat. We still look back at this as what might have been because we actually had a great side. Yeah, it, it, it was, you know, it was so sad. Um, we, we had a, a good team. They did really well in the qualifying matches. They were in a, a tough group in the qualifying matches. Um, Portugal and Holland were in the group with us. Uh, we finished just behind Portugal, uh, or I think an equal point as Portugal. Uh, and, you know, we had played really well. And, of course, Roy was, Roy Keane was captain. And he was outstanding. I remember there was a film done uh, of his performances during the qualifying matches, and uh, you know, it, it, no one person never qualifies the team, but he he was outstanding throughout that tournament. And mm-hmm. you know, we we were going to to that Japanese Korean World Cup with a lot of hope and going certainly getting out of the qualifiers. Going yeah. to, that in those days, it was a qualifier, a second round, and then it went to the. And to the quarterfinals, and we we had a, a I think a strong view that we, we would get to the quarterfinals, and that was kind of the aspiration. That's why so many Irish people spent a fortune, you know, travelling the, the long distance as it was to go to go to Korea and Japan. Now, the the troubles probably started before they headed off at all, because there were. Do you remember at the airport having to queue up? And the, you you went out to see them off, and um, Roy Keane didn't get up to shake your hand. Um, yeah, well, well, that, well, that was exaggerated. I, I, you know what actually happened? The 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 they played a friendly the night before uh, in Aviva and Lansdowne, and I I was there. I didn't met the team as I, I used to do. You know during all that that period, and um, went to the airport. Roy, the team were all there and it was a terrible morning. It was really wet and a lot of the team, I think, coming in from the buses or something, I don't know how it happened, but anyway, they they, they got wet and they the gear all stacked up and they were all sitting around all over the place. It, it wasn't, uh, it was, it wasn't. let's put it, it wasn't VIP treatment and everyone was all over the place. Anyway, Roy was on his own. Uh, he was sitting on the stairs and there were seats. Uh, he was away from the rest of the panel and I went over and I sat on the stairs with Roy um, it was afterwards saying that he was discourses to me, that that was 100% true, untrue, untrue, um, untrue. Uh, I sat down with him and uh, I spoke to him he was very friendly to, to, to me we spoke about the season I'd met Roy many times, a Man U fan and I'd met him many times with, with Alex and you know, always got on well with him, I'd never had any problem with Roy including that morning, but he was a Away from the team, uh, he wasn't mixing with the team, um, and he was. Well, he, he wasn't happy. Zone. I mean, he was used to the Rolls Royce treatment with Manchester United. I mean, they had their own plane and all the rest. And uh, here we were going off to a hugely important tournament, and the lads were kind of queuing, um, which and they had travel arrangements which were not satisfactory. It was going to take them forever to get to uh, Saipan. And then, of course, they got there and they got there before the gear arrived and the quality of the pitch was awful. So there was one very unhappy man, possibly many unhappy men, but the most vocal of them was Roy Keane. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, if we're looking back 18 and a half years now, Pat, but I, I'd i say, yes, it is true he wasn't happy in the airport. Um, I, I can understand how the gear got separated, but that can happen in a plane anyway, But because everything was all over the place and it didn't seem like the most organised uh, set up on earth. And I think Rye had said to Alex the previous week um, that uh, he was going to the World Cup to win. I mean, that was would have been Rye's attitude. Every time Rye went out, it was box-to-box box playing for United. Um, it was 100% motivation. Uh, as soon as he went on a pitch, uh, his his whole psycho was, was to, you know, to give it everything. Um, so he was going over here to train, to practice, um, they left Dublin, I think, on, on it, it was a it was a general election day. It was the 17th of May, um, 2002, and I was with him for two hours that morning. Cause it was early morning, and you know he he, he was going over to get uh, to get into it. The FAIs and the management thing, but they saw this as kind of the end of the season rest before they got moved on uh, to the World Cup, and this was a bit of a break time. So. You, you can you can understand was a difference in emphasis. Rye was going to, you know, get into the final training and the tactics, um, and then he arrives and there's no footballs, um, and the and the temporary nets weren't weren't lined up, and other people were thinking they were going to have a bit of a holiday. So, like th- there was where the lines were drawn from the 20th or 19th or 20th of May. We'll have a listen to a bit of Roy. This is now where he was initially persuaded to stay in Saipan, even though he was really angry at uh, the the lack of gear and the fact that the pitch was pretty awful. Um, But he was persuaded initially to stay in Saipan and continue preparations for the group matches. Have a listen. A lot of people say, well, it's typical of Roy and Roy should really shut up, but I can't, I can't, especially if I'm captain of the team. We come over here, we travel halfway across the world and the training pitch is a disgrace. And somebody's got somebody's to hold a hand up and say, it's like training on a car park, bloody rock hard. You've had one or two injuries already and I expect a few more. And uh, That's my opinion, I'm entitled to my opinion. Now, um, as I said, all I want is best and if that's a crime, well then I'm guilty. Football's a hard game, you need to help yourself. And I don't think we do sometimes, far from it. And as I said, I've just come to the end of the road regarding walking with certain people and I've had enough. Had enough. And then, of course, we know that one word borrowed another. He said things to Mick McCarthy and um, he was dispatched home. Now, at what point were you asked to get involved? Well, I, I suppose, just go back a little bit, Pat. What happened was he he was very annoyed on, on, on the 22nd of May, which was five days after they left. When he arrived there, he, you know, he was just frustrated and he, he obviously felt there was nobody to talk to. Now, what should have happened at that stage was uh, Mick McCarthy and himself, um, sh- sh- somebody should have brought them together, somebody from the FAI presumably should have brought them together and tried to, uh, to pull things together. What happened was that instead of sitting down with someone from the FAI or someone in between, um, he sat down with two journalists, um, uh, Paul Kimmage uh, and, and, and Humphreys, and that interview hit the paper. Um, the interview then hit the interview back home. What happened then was McCarthy uh, got nifted. He was given a copy of the article. 
he should have called Roy, I think, aside at that stage and had a, a chat with Roy. Instead of that, Roy confronted Keane in front of the entire panel um, and was very annoyed, obviously, what was in the papers. And then, of course, Roy went into this 10-minute tirade um, and, of course, everybody then started taking sides. So I think the die was cast and Roy went back to his room uh, and nobody... Uh, I think two players talking, but everyone else went with McCarthy, so it was a disaster. So then he left. So what happened, Pat, was when he left and, and came back in the airport, uh, there were efforts made from Manchester United um, and the age and Kennedy. Uh, they would, I think, they contacted me, um, uh, Tommy Gorman in, in RTU, being very involved in Sligo Rovers, and knew a lot of these guys. Um, uh, there was an effort made and I had said listen uh, if Rye agreed uh, if it was a case of mediating if Rye agreed and the team management agreed I certainly would have I spoke to Mick McCarthy afterwards I think um, he, he, he was very agreeable that I that I would I don't think no it was ever put to Rye uh, Kennedy was meant to square that it was it was kind of the, the agent and the Manchester this United is the late Michael happy. Kennedy yeah 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 so but so it never it never happened Pat it, it, it's um it, it, it was Rye was home and he was yeah, he, he he had spoken to Alex and I think he said that's it he, he wasn't going to go back there was a, a period of about 48 hours where it seemed it might have been possible uh, to, to try and um, arbitrate something and calm it down but mm. uh, in the end of the day it, it, it didn't prove possible yeah. and and after about you know, days, look, Looking at it now people say well we had a chance maybe not to go all the way but to go much of the way with the team we had and with, under the leadership of Roy Keane <clears throat> and that it'll be much more difficult ever to find ourselves in that kind of situation again. By the way, do you still follow Ireland under Stephen Kenny? Yeah, big time, big time. Uh, I suppose, Pat, it should be said at that time, like we drew with Cameron. Cameron were talked up massively at that time. Cameroon, maybe some people say now who the hell of Cameroon. At that time, Cameroon were a very good side. We drew with Germany that went, and Germany went on to be, be beaten in the final by Brazil. We hammered Saudi Arabia, and we should have beaten Spain. And if we had have beaten Spain, and I think the argument if Roy was there, we would have beaten Spain. I think we should have beaten Spain anyway. We lost some penalties. We missed the penalty in that, in that match, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, it, it was um, we, we certainly had the ability to get to the quarterfinal. Um, and, you know, the way it played out, we, we, we could have... Uh, Spain beat South Korea on, on penalties in the quarterfinal. People feel that we had got to the quarterfinal, we would have won. I think we would have won. So it was our best opportunity. But I still followed the team. It's um, we we don't have the the players. I think we don't we don't have the the you know the standards that we did in those days. We you know right from '88 as you recall, past from '88 up to '94, and then on we had a really good panel and. I know the panel do their best they can now, but we're just not at the we're not at the level that we were from from the mid eighties up until two thousand and two. And do you have time for Stephen Kenny? Yeah, I, I think Stephen. I, I think he's a he's a good guy. He, he he's a hard um, he's a hard game. I mean, you know, this year is one year we want to forget for lots of reasons, but from a, a football point of view, I mean, when you go through so many matches that you don't perform well and well, there's 11 hours of football now and not one goal we don't have a, a poacher or a skillful person like you know, Robbie Keane um, you know, we, we don't have an Isle Quinn we, yeah. we, even though they're, they're trying their best we're, we're not there and, 
as one of my grandkids uh, said the other day uh, to, to Nicky, he said, um, will I ever live to see an Irish team uh, in the tournament again? And, uh, you know, I tell you, it broke me heart listening to that because <laughs> you think, God, you know. At we his were lucky age, enough to, to be think there that in go. '88 and um, all the other Bertie, great matches. Before I let you go, um, I was looking up um, something. There was a, an article I saw the, from the Belfast Telegraph, which said, "You know, do you want to know what a hard border looks like? Well, all you got to do is go back to 2001 and the foot and mouth epidemic. You were Taoiseach at the time, so if you want to shut down the border for COVID reasons, well, you're the man who did it for foot and mouth." Yeah, I, I, I did, Pat, and we used to meet every morning at, at half seven. I'm sure people listen to you now who remember those early morning meetings. We met at 7.30 um, every morning. If I wasn't there, I chaired the meetings. If I wasn't there, the late Joe Walsh chaired them. Um, we would everybody on board. We had the army, the guards, the veterinary people, uh, everybody. We didn't do daily press conferences in those days, but... Um, you know, I'm sure you were covering it at the time, and everybody mm-hmm. else was covering it. And you know, we 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 went into uh, we had to c- cut off the whole allowed. We had to because that's where some of the outbreaks were. And um, you know, we 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 managed it, and we, we were hundreds of people involved. In it. And you know, to, now everyone is used to tracking and tracing, but uh, we had to track and trace cattle coming out of Marcus in Northern Ireland that were going around the Republic. And they had to be chased down, and you know. So I remember there was one particular um, consignment. The cattle were sold with a market up in County Down. I think it was about forty-four, forty-five cattle, but they went to about six different farms around the Republic, um, and they had to be chased down to the last one um, yeah. and slaughtered at the time. And you know that that's the way it was, and it proved to be very effective. And you know, all the sporting events were cancelled and. Yeah. You know, people had to walk over mats going into bars and restaurants, as probably many people yeah. will remember. And but yeah. it was it was successfully done. Yeah, and just thinking that, you know, if we were to try to isolate areas of high infection, it could be done, but perhaps there's not uh, the political will to take it on at this particular time. Anyway, uh, Bertie Hearn, former Taoiseach, thank you very much for joining us with uh, your thoughts on Saipan. <laughs> And here on News Talk today begins our look back at the 20 most influential moments over the past 20 years. As you uh, you probably heard on the station earlier this morning on News Talk Breakfast and on the Pat Kenny Show, we're beginning with an issue that divided the entire country. An argument between two men on the other side of the world. This is, of course, Keane versus McCarthy in Saipan. What were your memories of the incident? I remember it was the most important thing in my life at the time. I don't know how I was split. I think we could have done better with him. I was never really a Roy Kane fan, so I was kind of 50-50 on it. Ridiculous that he has one opportunity to play in the World Cup and kicks up a fuss and gets and sends himself home over it. Like, it's crazy. If I was playing for a World Cup, I'd do anything to say it there. Keane was trying to build a team that was training properly, had the right things. He knew how the thing go from Manchester United and all. He knew how the thing worked. McCarthy wouldn't have had a clue with jokers. I couldn't believe that was the headlines of the 6-1 news and it was like the biggest controversy that had ever probably happened since coronavirus nearly at this stage, isn't it? And like then he came back and they couldn't wait to get a look at him going and walking his dogs. Remember all that? And they were, it was it was just mad. And then it was like, will he go back? Will he stay? And we're big Man United supporters in our house. We were on Team Roy Keane. We were like, yeah, for defo. You did the right thing. 
I suppose it was I suppose it's one of those things that you always remember. Yeah, some of the uh, the views of some of our listeners here um on News Talk, but what's your memory? Why was Saipan one of the most influential moments do you think over the past 20 years? You can get in touch with us here today with uh, your take on the story 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or if you want to join us live on air today it's 1894531106. Mick has got in contact with us here. Mick, thanks for uh, joining us at lunchtime live this afternoon. What's your memory of Saipan? Uh, how are you, Andrew? Um, oh, look, I was, I was at home. I was in, uh, I was in Cork working one of my first sort of proper jobs at the time. I was in the early twenties, right? Sort of down in the down in the belly of the beast, you know. And um, I was an outsider there. And uh, oh, look, I remember the whole scandal happening, and I remember Roy eventually sort of disappeared off, and sure, all of Cork was up in arms at the time. I think there was giant Roy Keane banners around the place. I think I seem to remember a giant jersey on the roof of the roundy or something at one stage. So there was only um there was only one man in the right down in Cork at the time anyway, that's for sure. That's where the, the public sentiment was fairly obvious so as to where it was um Mick. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. W- where are you from yourself? Oh, I'm from Carlo. You're in Carlo. And yeah. Like when you kind of cast your mind back to um to that time in in two thousand and two, were you, were you looking forward, you know, to watching the World Cup, to watching Ireland's oh performance? God, yeah. And oh yeah, a huge. Like I'm a huge soccer fan. I right. Mean, even still now, I'm that bit older, and I bring my nephews to all the games. And sure, we were part of the you know of Delaney out protest that night against Georgia. And you know, I'm a I'm a massive, You're massive a big football follower, fan. Yeah, but yeah. at 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 the time, I mean. Oh, at the time, I was gutted when Roy went home. I mean, he was, I mean, sure, he was all over every billboard. I think he was doing a big campaign for 7-Up at the time. So his face was looking down from Kent Station and Cork and everywhere. And so when he was sent, it was like, it was a, it was a massive, massive shock. Um, it's funny, though, like, we had a great young team at the time. And while some people are like, oh, we could have gone further, or we could have gone to the finals. Like, yeah. I think in a, stra- in a strange way, him getting the boot kind of galvanised the team. Uh, like, right. <laughs> in reality, like, you can't... I mean, it's the reason... It was kind of the same reason he got the heat ho at United. I mean, he was a disruptive presence in the end. And sure, hasn't he shown his true colours since? I mean, he whinged about the FAI for how long? And sure, then didn't he go and take... Delaney's right. dollars in the end and come back as an assistant coach and so now he just sits around all day whinging about people <laughs> not kicking each other and in, football, in football games like so basically I remember at the time I was I was disgusted with Roy I remember Johnny Giles saying he said if I had an opportunity to play in a World Cup I would have walked to Japan and I thought like like it's very disrespectful of Roy no matter what you think of a manager or what you think of whatever to just walk out and okay. he did walk out. Like, I think the part of his tirade was stick your World Cup up your you-know-what. Right. And that's when he left, yeah. you know. So st- stay with us, Mick, because I'm going to bring in um, Andrew, who's also got in touch with us here as well in Lunchtime Live this afternoon. Andrew, what were your memories of Saipan? Yeah, obviously I remember it well, because obviously it dominated the news at that time. There was nothing, very little else spoken about uh, then. But um, look, I probably would have been in the camp at that stage, That definitely that. You know he should have stayed, really, and um, you know you got to you got to look to the team as a whole and put aside your personal you know grievances, which is obviously, in fairness to him, were you know were valid. Clearly, it wasn't probably mm. as well organised or as 
efficient as he would have been clearly used to it Man United at that time it was light year probably night and day really in terms of the organisation and, and everything like that but at the same time I just thought you know it was a mistake to walk out and he was our best player and God we could have we could have used him we did really well we only lost him as I recall on penalties to Spain in the end but you know, we had a great pathway to the final that year. We could have, we could have definitely uh, made the final, and who knows? Yeah. Um, it's just so- such a shame that it happened that way. I mean, it could have been handled better, I think, right. on all sides, frankly. Were you surprised by the reaction here at home to the incident from the public? Like, even just the fact you mentioned, and, and Mick mentioned it there too a few moments ago, you know, it was dominating the news bulletins, leading the, the, the six o'clock news in the evening. It was, it was been discussed in, in every, in, in all quarters. Were you surprised by that? or Not really, because at that stage, we, we'd come off the back of, of the, the Charlton era when, when the team had done fantastically well. And, you know, football at that stage was absolutely, you know, massive in Ireland I mean obviously it still is and always will be but the team had had such success and we'd all travelled the, the jack journey from the Euros to the World Cups and you know and then you know we got another bit of hope with, with this team which was still a, you know we had a really good uh, squad at that stage and you know given, given the circumstances that were so dramatic that you know we woke up to find out that, that he'd left effectively and uh, that things were, were all unravelling and it was just such mm. a such a shame and people were very divided because obviously you know Roy had a huge number of supporters and still does obviously I think he's a fantastic character great pundit great player huge respect for the guy but I just think you know looking back it's yeah. just such a shame that, it, that okay. it, it couldn't have been managed better on all sides you know I, and he I, didn't have to, and yeah. he had to walk I, I'm going to bring Frankie in as well um, Andrew uh, Frankie what was your your view on Saipan back in uh, 2002 Yes, Andrea, how are you? Good. Andrea, like the lads at the time, it was fantastic. You know, we were the crest of a wave. There was a great bunch of lads. But I, now, I played football all my life and watch football, watch morning, uh, football morning and night. I don't particularly follow anyone, Liverpool. So I'm not coming this from being biased. And I, and anyway, the way I looked at it, and I coach kids, and I coach uh, soccer for a long time, there's no one bigger than the team. Now, the way I looked at it at the time, I, I, I was uh, gobsmacked that he left. But the bottom line is, Roy Keane, who fantastic popper, fantastic uh, uh, advocate for Ireland, but he's been playing with the Republic of Ireland since he was, let's say, under 16, for example. He knows the organisation he, he, he was with. Obviously, we didn't know at the time. He knows they were Mickey Mouse. They hadn't got the resource or whatever. And he chose, he threw the dummy out of the pram on the biggest, you know, the biggest stage of his career. And so you were, thing, you were, I, were you Team McCarthy in all, in all of this, uh, Frankie? I wasn't team anyone. I was team Ireland. I, yeah. I was Jesus. I had the Irish flag wrapped around me, like everyone else. But I don't know if Roy has ever uh, 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 said he was regretted. But I have no doubt that down the line, when Roy has his grandkids around his feet and he looks back on it and they ask him, I think Roy will come around and whether it's ten, twenty, or thirty, he most definitely will. I've yeah. done things in life that I didn't. I did regret at the time of course I do right. now looking back on it you have a wiser head on you now the thing about it I have no doubt that he will say you know what that was a huge mistake and uh, I, I shouldn't have done what they done because the, the, uh, the football the lads played at the time I have no doubt if probably was there semi-final at least semi-final at least did the, whole, did the whole incident overshadow what actually happened on the pitch? of course it is of course you're, it overtook as, one, as you said earlier it was all over the 
newspaper, that was bad the news as well. Yeah, you, you know, bad news as well. And I remember one incident personally, and, and this I was managing Clonus Town at the time, and we were through to the last, I think, 32 or 64 of the FAI Junior Cup, we, which is one of the biggest cup tournaments in, in, in Europe. And, uh, but it was only a club level. We were down to play across Haven. And I had one lad at the time, it was Bad Frost, the best player. He played for UCD, and the best player at the time didn't want to go to the game. What going? Didn't want to go. And I begged him, and I begged his father. And I got his father to come just before the two coaches. Two coaches and Clonus are going across Haven. Now, Cross Haven, fantastic team. I think they beat us 2 0 or 2 1. We should have had a penalty in the first minute, but that's neither here <laughs> I love, there. I love how you can recall the whole yeah. match and and, and, off the yeah, top of your we're head. Looking back, we're looking back on it, Andrew. Uh, the occasion was too big for the lad. Yeah. Okay. We down, we stayed in it. Now, the one thing, the young lad did come. He came, and I dropped another lad off the team to make room for him. A lad that was never missed training. He wouldn't have been the same pedigree as this other lad. And I regret that to this day. Right. That I begged this young lad to go. So here we are, you know. <laughs> hindsight's, hindsight's a great thing, Frankie. I'm going to bring Joe in as well. Joe uh, joins us here on Lunchtime Live. Joe, you were running a pub in Sligo back in uh, back at the time or back in, in 2002. What were your memories um, of that time? It was a strange time, Andrea, uh, because... You know, I suppose Italia 1990 was so huge, you know, in an island at that time that was, you know, so deprived of so much. We went on to America and Roy Keane played in America. I think he was Ireland's man, you know, main play, you know, best player in, in America when we played over there. We didn't have any World Cup in 98. Mick McCarthy took over, had taken over in 96. He, he was changing his team. Um, and... To be fair to Roy, and I know a lot of people are saying he shouldn't have left and all that, it was my understanding that Mick sent him home, you know, when the row hit in, in Saipan. It, Roy, there was a, a, a whole issue around a newspaper article. Uh, you know, the row started. Roy gave, uh, you know, his, his views for about 10 minutes to McCarthy in front of the players. McCarthy had brought it on. Uh, I've met both men since, and they are very nice men. The expectation at the time, like we were, we were all looking forward. We had been starved of a World Cup in 1998 mm. in France. We were really, really looking forward. It was a different era of fans coming through, younger fans coming through. It was a different island. Things were kicking off an island. We, you know, the Celtic Tiger was moving in and all of that. And then we woke up to this news. But the thing I always say, Andre, is was it there that the row really started? If you actually think about it, Roy Keane from a young player, had always questioned the FAI and the facilities that was given to underage football, it would be under 16, under 21, you know, under 19, to the national team. You know, he there was a one taste. Yeah, I think he, he had a wrong yeah, with Jack he, he, well, he, he was. Uh, he he wasn't afraid to show his, I suppose, his dissatisfaction yeah, with the like, with the conditions. Uh, can, can I ask you, Joe, as somebody that was in the kind of the hospitality sector though at the time, yeah. was was this um, was this the talking point at the the pub counter? It was a civil war in Ireland at the time. <laughs> let's say facts. There was it was. Unba- I actually, I I remember once uh, stopping a fist fight between the two uh, fans of, of either side of the camp. It was that intense. Right. Uh, it really, really was. It was so intense if you were on the Roy Keane side, if you were on the Mick McCarthy side. You have to remember, Mick McCarthy was Captain Fantastic. 
You know what I mean? All through the, you know, the Italia 90 in America. He, he was a national hero in his own, in, in, his, in his own respect. Now coming on as, as, as our, our national manager, you know, trying to fill the shoes of Jack Charlton, which was huge shoes to fill at the mm-hmm. times it was. You know, but he had massive, massive respect as a player. Roy Keane, I think, and McCarthy had history. They, they genuinely had history. Right. But Keane was loved by a faction of Ireland as well. He really, really was. I... And it was, the, it, was, it was amazing how, how divisive it really, really was. Yeah. Keane, of course, was coming from, like I, I heard you chat to Paul earlier on about, you know, people are high-end food, low-end food. I'm a chef myself. And the reality is, if you're, you know... It was a national team. This wasn't like a, a schoolboy team. This was a mm. national team going to play in the World Cup. Yeah. The training facilities need to be... It's asking me to cook a meal for, I don't know, a thousand people using domestic cooking. Right, OK. That's your, your, your comparison. I have a couple of messages into us here on the News Talk text line. Brian says, when it comes to the battle between McCarthy and Roy Keane, Roy was wrong. Soccer is not a democracy and the manager's decision will be final. Roy couldn't understand that and so had to go. Uh, this listener says, I was in Mallorca at the time and, can, and I can remember watching it on the BBC World News. I don't think it was Roy or Mick's fault. It was the FAI as, um, uh, as the situation seemed to unravel. Best joke of the day, says TJ, he's got in touch to say, is he having a laugh? Ireland could have made it to the final. And uh, you can keep your messages coming into us on 53106. Andrew, you're still with us here on Lunchtime Live this afternoon. We're discussing why Saipan is one of the most 20 or one of the 20 most influential moments of the past 20 years. Do you think it, it fits in, uh, you know, correctly in that um, in, in that title? It is one of the, the most influential moments. Oh, I don't know. I mean, in terms of sport, in terms of a Sporting-wise, in terms of controversy, yes. Yeah. But um, overall, yeah, will we ever see us another? Do you think there'll ever be another sporting moment like this in our? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> no, I should say there's uh, plenty more messages coming in uh, echoing that very same view, hoping that that'll be the uh, the end of uh, maybe sporting scenarios like this. But listen, Andrew, Frankie and Joe, and also to Mick too, thanks for joining us here on Lunchtime Live this afternoon. Now, to have a quick look at one of those uh, possible top moments from the last 20 years, the Saipan incident. At the time, it divided this nation. Some supported Roy Keane's walkout. Some argued that if he had stayed, we might have progressed far further in the competition. Dick Redmond has been kit man for the under-21s and senior teams for over 20 years. And Dick joins us now on News Talk. Good afternoon, Dick. Good afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon to all your listeners. Uh, now, you knew uh, uh, Roy pretty well, and at the time of Saipan, it was kind of reported that he was in a bit of a crank anyway before the whole thing blew up and before he gave uh, those infamous interviews. Could he be like that? Uh, I'm trying to, trying to get, track back on it. Roy was Roy, you know what I mean? One day you get Roy in a great humour, another day you get Roy in not so good a humour. And I think building up to the World Cup, uh, our Saipan... Uh, there was a bit of hot and cold, but look at the whole country was looking forward to Saipan. Everybody was geared up. Uh, it was in a, in, a, in a country like never before. I don't think uh, it, it took everybody by surprise what it was like in the country and all that with the fans and all that. So everybody was geared up for it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but could could Roy like you know make irrational decisions? I suppose is what I'm saying. If he was in a bad mood. Ah no no no. Roy wouldn't make any decisions as such. He was a captain of the team. Okay, he might have something to say about something, but uh, 
which was his prerogative because he was a captain. But I mean, he would always talk to the manager uh, and, you know, sort out now what they need to be sorted out. Right, yeah. Though in this, it seemed to kind of play out in public. That was uh, uh, that was part of the problem here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know the ins and outs of that re- that, that meeting room or anything like that. But look, it, it certainly did what you said in the, in the introduction there. It divided, it divided the nation. And, uh, you know, 50% for and 50% against. And look, at the end of the day, everybody wanted Ireland to do well, and including Roy wanted Ireland to do well. So, you know, it was just unfortunate the way it panned out in the papers and all that and on the media and all that. And, you know... Uh, you know, and then we and then we went on to have a, what I thought. I think the whole country thought was a very successful campaign. Could it have been better though if he'd been there? Well, I tell you, people say that to you, but I would also have the other argument: Would we have got as far with Roy playing? Because remember, everything went through Roy in midfield, and other players were sort of. You know, not getting as much as the the ball and much of the, the wherever the line right on there. And then when Roy wasn't there. The midfielders, you know, they, they, they grew up that, that tournament and they come out and they, they played absolutely marvellous. So you, you never know. You could always say, oh, we might have beat Spain that day. You know, we, we could also say we mightn't have got the chance to play Spain because we could have went out. So yeah. you, you don't know. But the, the, certainly uh, the team went out and gave everything. were galvanised and, and gave everything. And and we could have easily beaten Spain. I remember Ian Hart missed a penalty in, in, in the game. Dick, thanks very much uh, for talking with us today. Uh, that's uh, Dick Redmond there, uh, former kit man to the Irish uh, national football team. As we get closer to the end of 2020, here on this show and across the station, we've been asking listeners what the most influential moments of the last 20 years are. It has been 20 years since the millennium and in that time there's been a huge amount of upheaval at home and abroad. We had the first black president in the United States, we had the Queen and Croke Park, a new currency, the crash, a pandemic and what have you. So over the next few weeks here on the show and across the station, like I said, we're going to be focusing on one of the top 20. We've selected a top 20 as voted on by the News Talk listener and every day we're focusing on one. We're kicking off today with the Civil War of 2002. Yes, that's right. Saipan, John Brennan, sports editor for the Sunday World. He covered this at length when it happened. Joins me on the line. John, thanks a million uh, for taking the time to chat to us about this today. I, I, I'm, I'm struck looking back and listening back today to, to different aspects of the coverage that this is a story that started actually long before Saipan. It actually started with the awarding of the World Cup and the climate of Korea-Japan at the time. You might explain. Yeah, that, that was six years before. So that was, what, 1996. Uh, Korean Japan, first of all, bid for the World Cup and seemed certain to get it. South Korea came along with a big bid afterwards. And in the Orient, losing face is huge. To the peoples of the East, you know, not being able to deliver something, being told you're not good enough, generally losing face is a huge issue. And suddenly, the famous Sepp Blatter, him who would appear in Irish football history later on, realised that his dream of giving the World Cup to Japan was going down to Swanee. He he hadn't got the votes. So he he proposed co-hosting with South Korea, which was the first problem. Different languages, different money. You had to fly. It's a fair distance. I was on a plane between the two of them. It's a good three, four-hour flight. It's not like Heathrow to Dublin or something like that. So basically the whole thing was a cock-up. But what neither of them told poor old Sepp was 
that monsoons arrive in Japan in early July. They couldn't risk having a World Cup semi-final or final cancelled because of a monsoon. So they decided to finish the World Cup in the last week of July, and that meant starting it in the last week of May. And that caused huge problems for all of the teams based in Western Europe, which is Ireland, of course. Uh, They had basically to come from an English season relax for a couple of weeks then go or relax for a couple of days rather mm. then go train for a couple of weeks and then the world cup started on i think it was the 30th of may that year which if you look at all the other world cups they all start about the 10th of june so 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 roy Keane and his teammates were coming off the back of a really difficult season for roy Keane, a season as well i'm conscious where they didn't win anything which was unusual yeah, for him a couple of times. Yeah, that yeah. niggly hip injury was starting to bother him more and more and instead of having a, a few weeks off as he might have done uh, to recuperate yeah. he's straight out to Korea, Japan is that it? And crucially crucially, earlier that year back at the end of February I think it was Ireland had played a home friendly against Denmark I think, oh they're the Danes again, jeepers this story keeps going on <laughs> and on anyway uh, we were playing them and Mick McCarthy the manager told all the players Look, Saipan is going to be this bit of R&R you should have got. It's going to be relaxing. We'll do a few things, but basically it's not very serious. When we go to a place in Japan called Izumo, we will do all our serious training for the World Cup there. Unfortunately, Roy Keane was, missed that match through injury. He did, no one picked up the phone to tell him, by the way, Roy, Saipan is really a bit of R&R. Do you want to go? Do you want to stay in Manchester, get treatment for a hamstring injury that you don't really have anyway, and then just join us in Ismo. If someone had just said that, there would never John, have been a Saipan. are you telling me that, 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 that it would have been perfectly reasonable, it's perfectly reasonable now to suggest Roy Keane might have actually just skipped the entire Saipan leg of the trip? Exactly. Oh my God. And here I can tell you that apart from going to an island that hadn't got a football pitch to, re- to prepare for a World Cup in football... Ismo, by contrast, and I've been covering the Irish team, I covered my first Ireland match in 1984. The training centre in Ismo was the best I have ever seen for an Irish team, ever. The conditions were fantastic, the people were welcoming, the arrangements were excellent. Everything in Ismo was A1. If Saipan was the worst training facilities ever, Ismo was the best. All we had to do was get Roy to Ismo and he'd have been as happy as Larry. That is uh, remarkable to think how differently uh, things might have turned out. No, there was another thing. At that meeting where Mick told the lads, look, we're going to Saipan for a bit of R&R, he said, and if we're going for a bit of R&R, look, bring your wives and kids. It's, It's kind of a holiday. You'll do a bit of training in the morning, but it's a holiday. We're going to play golf. We're going to go to the beach as a group. We're going to have a barbecue as a group. We're going to do all this type of thing. Bring your wives and kids. The following friendly we had, the players came back to him and said, ah, no, Mick, actually the wives want to go to the matches. They don't want to go to Ismo, or to Saipan at least. So the whole idea of Saipan was created as an R&R job, and it kind of fell apart on Mick. And crucially, neither he nor no one in the FAI told Roy Keane that Saipan was created as an R&R gig. That is, yeah, like I said, it is amazing to amazing. think how, how differently it all might have turned out just for those few tiny little uh, little things. And obviously, look, we know what happened 
in Saipan and uh, uh, other shows today have been talking about the, the, the various twists and turns in it. Like, uh, you, you were out there covering this. You were at home for the start of it. You were out there then, obviously, for yeah. the World Cup uh, covering it. What, like, what was your experience of it all? Crazy. By a distance, the craziest football story I've ever covered in those 40 years. And by God, the FAI have given, given us a few good ones in that time. <laughs> right up to last weekend when there was a mole in the camp. Um, yeah, it was crazy. I remember uh, a TV presenter falling over in his sleep. He's standing, waiting to go on TV, and he fell asleep in his sleep and then fell over. Like, this is because we were broadcasting, obviously, at five in the morning over there. Or and John, you, you were in the press pool. Like, were, were other countries clamouring around this story as well like were we the focus of global attention we were obviously the British media Roy Keane being one of the superstars of the Premier League the British media were with us but other people are with us as well we weren't the only country Slovenia managed to lose their captain out at the World Cup as well he threw a strap and went home over tactics he just disagreed with the manager over playing long ball short ball whatever mm. ball you're playing but he, he threw a strap and went home as well it was all to do Kieran, with this rushed preparation you know the way Roy says, and there's a lot of what I agree with him in that I, I'm kind of a bit pissed off that we go to these tournaments and we're delighted to win the prize for having the best fans. Yeah. And we'll have a party and we'll have a few beers. Yeah. And that's part of our nature and it's part of being Irish. And I like that too. But he's always said, we should be going there thinking of winning this thing or, you know, whatever. That's ironically of all the World Cups I've ever commented mm. on or written about. That was the one we could have done well in. If you look back at what happened at that World Cup, France were the champions going into it. They didn't make it out of the pool. Argentina didn't make it out of the pool. Brazil and uh, England had to meet early on. Brazil knocked England out. Uh, Spain <coughs> Spain eventually were knocked out after they beat us. Italy, managed by Giovanni Trapattoni at the time. See yeah. what I mean about the circle keeps going I around? Know, yeah. They were robbed. The re- the referee at, um, for that match is now in a federal penitentiary in America doing 25 years for drug dealing. Um, they were robbed. It was an incredible World Cup. It was. Turkey it was. and South Korea got to the semi-finals of that World Cup. There's no reason it shouldn't have been that very good Irish team with our best player at the heart of it. Uh, hard to disagree with you, John. Listen, there's been plenty of coverage across the station today. It's the first time I've heard suggest that we could have avoided all of this, but for the weather uh, during the summer in Korea, Japan, and when they gave out that uh, the tournament decided it went uh, in that direction. Listen, fascinating stuff. John Brennan, sports editor for the Sunday World. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about 9-11. Uh, throughout the day, there'll be coverage that very tragic day, of course, 2001, when nearly 3,000 people lost their lives. I'm going to explore here on the hard shoulder the future of terrorism with US author Colin Clark and British counter-terrorism expert Chris Phillips. And you can check out, if you want to find out more about this entire series, newstalk.com forward slash 20 moments. <laughs>